Well, hello and welcome, welcome everyone to a uh, to this Wednesday. Um, we've got all the giggles here because we've just been we've been we've been chatting away, but that's okay. We're around. around, but that's that's good because we've got a lot of energy to to delve deep into into the uh, the passage today, into what uh, because we've got Simon here who brought uh, the message on Sunday. Um, yeah, let's uh, let's just get straight into the uh, to the reading. <laughs> So it's uh, Mark 14, 1 to 11. Cool. It was now two days before Passover and the festival of the unleavened bread. The leading priests and the teachers of the religious law were still looking for an opportunity to capture Jesus secretly and kill him. But not during the Passover celebration, they agreed, or the people might riot. Meanwhile, Jesus was in Bethany at at the home of Simon, a man who had previously had leprosy. While he was eating, a woman came in with a beautiful alabaster alabaster jar of expensive perfume made from essence of nard. She broke open the jar and poured the perfume over his head. Some of those at the table were ignorant, ignorant? while indignant, while waste. Why waste such expensive perfume, they asked. It could have been sold for, sold for a year's wages and the money given to the poor. So they scolded her harshly. But Jesus replied, leave her alone. Why criticize her for doing such a good thing to me? You will always have the poor among you and you can help them whenever you want to, but you will not always have me. She has done what she could and has anointed my body for burial ahead of time. I tell you the truth. Whenever the good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's deeds will be remembered and discussed. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the 12 disciples, went to the leading priests to arrange to betray Jesus to them. They were delighted when they heard why, why he had come and they promised to give him money. So he began looking for an opportunity to betray Jesus. Mm. So th- typically, um, like looking at this passage and especially when you look at your nice sort of westernized Bibles when they have all the, the titles and everything above, above the different sort of chapters, um, this one says Jesus anointed and now, I would say typically we would look at the, the, the anointing and the actual perfume being broken. But um, Simon, you looked at the attitudes and not just only the attitude of the woman that was doing that, but the attitudes of uh, Judas and all the other characters there, which I thought and um, I think a lot of other people thought um, was really good insight onto it and something different, but I think very poignant for us to be sort of reminded of, one, the attitudes of everyone present, but the attitudes that we take in ourselves. Um, so why did you look at that? Okay. Why, why, uh, it's always really interesting question mm. when you ask the preacher, why did you preach on that? Why? So why did you take that uh, route when you, read, when you were reading the Bible and why did you think it was important for people to hear? And, and it's a great question. Mm. I don't, Get me wrong there, um, because often, often when we come to church, we sit and we go, "Oh yeah, that that person's an expert in whatever," and they they'll tell us what we need to know from the passage. Uh, when you sit with a piece of scripture like this, so a passage from the Bible, you 
what I tend to do is I, I sit with it for at least a week uh, sitting there and just going, what is it that God is speaking to me about? And, and sometimes you, you flip from one to the other and you're going, oh, yeah, this is what it will do. Or, um, and and I, try, I try and so far successfully through all the years of preaching that I've been doing, I don't go back to an old sermon and go, oh, that was a really good one. Let's just run it again. <laughs> I haven't done it here at this uh, church or whatever. So I, I never do that. So, mm. um, so I'm always letting it... The, the Word of God through fresh. the Bible, mm. speak afresh and especially speak afresh into um, the people who are here. Mm. So even if we went, you know, like you, we've read this passage, you know, five years ago, there are different people in the church here now mm. to five years ago and, you know, it's, it's, and there's always a freshness to that. And whenever I read it, there's something fresh coming to it. Mm. So sitting there and thinking, going there, and I, and I loved how you brought out the fact that often what happens when we read our Bible is that the heading primes us mm. for what we want to get out. So it often primes us going, oh, we, we need to focus on the anointing. And it's about the anointing. You go, yes, it is, but there's so much more. And what we've been doing through this series have been looking at um, the words, the works, and the ways of Jesus Christ. Now, this is actually something that Jesus has words in here, and, and he and he shows um, how he behaved and and letting the woman do this, and then kind of scolding the the disciples and those in the room that this is actually a wonderful thing, and gives a little bit, bit of teaching about his death as well. But it really struck me that. When we, when we come to any piece of passage, when we come to what Jesus has done, his works, our attitude towards that is actually, you know, our attitude towards Easter, our attitude to Good Friday, our attitude to Easter Sunday really allows the Scriptures to be opened up or it allows it to be closed down, depending on the attitude that we bring to it. And I was sitting with that, and that was actually what the Holy Spirit was bringing to me at that point. And I'm going, actually, if we look at this, we can see there's lots of different attitudes that are being portrayed towards Jesus, um, specifically in these situations. Um, and I thought and it, was, it was a fantastic opening up of the passage for me. And so that I wanted to share it with everybody else when, as it opened up. Mm. So you're getting into the brain of Simon um, <laughs> for a moment. And and just because we were giggling beforehand, the, everybody here actually knows the brain of Simon is not always super serious. It can actually be really <laughs> silly. Um, you missed all of that because we weren't rolling at that point in time. No. So we won't go back to that, but that's all right. But um, so we're, we're looking at all of, the, all of this and, and there was the, the attitude that those religious leaders had. Um, and if we went back into them, we'll, um, and Caleb's going to throw them up on the, on the bottom of the screen for us or on the screen completely, just so we can go through the, the three sections of main attitude. So the, the, the religious leaders, they were showing being offended mm. and being threatened. So they were, they, were, they were offended that Jesus was claiming that he was the Messiah or... or or allowing people to say that he was the Messiah, that was offensive to them, and they were threatened in their position. Then, then actually, I then instead of going straight to the next person that appears in the passage, I jumped into Judas, and and this is the thing that came out for me because I I sat in there so often we make Judas the bad guy, yeah, 
Um, and, and we even have sayings about, you know, you being a Judas and you're wanting to stab somebody mm. in the back. And, you know, it's all of those negative things that come out. And, yeah. But if we actually have a look at Judas, Judas was, was, was a Jewish believer who believed, was following Jesus. So he wasn't actually somebody that didn't have anything and was, was out to get the person. He, you know, I'm going to use one of our sticky words for our church. He wholeheartedly was following Jesus. Mm. Um, and in doing that, so he, he left where he was. He was following along. He was one of the chosen 12. Um, he was listening to Jesus. He was a part of all of that. And see, the thing is, for us, and I didn't bring this out mm-hmm. um, in, in the past, in the, the message on Sunday was that often it's the people that follow when they flip and don't want to follow anymore. So when, when they have this attitude of fear of making the wrong decision, um, that they really bite and cut hardest into what it is. So that, uh, when somebody who's gone to church all their life suddenly goes, I'm not going to believe anymore, mm. it cuts the deepest. It's, it's, and it's, you know, when, when somebody's been your friend for so long and they go, I don't want to be your friend anymore, it cuts the hardest mm. because they've been with you and gone with you and they might have gone through a whole range of things. Um, and it's just that. Mm. And, and, I, and I went, that's what was happening with Judas. Yeah. And it's interesting how, I mean, us as humans, we quickly, when there is the flip, you don't, you don't just jump into the shallow end of that flip. You jump into the deep end. Yep. Like you're saying with, like, you know, you, you, um, like you're no longer friends with someone, you cut them off completely. It's not just, or, or you're not coming to church. You, you know, you have this really strong outlook rather than, oh, I'm not doing that anymore. And you just move on. It's, if it's, you know, I think for a majority and probably not all, it's jump into the deep end of that flip. Mm. And, and I think the thing that I wanted to bring out was that it, and, and, I've, and I've been guilty of this um, in that thinking that Judas was all about the money. You know, we, we have mm. this notion that Judas, Judas looked after the common purse for the disciples, that, that he carried the money around and, and, and so he got so wrapped up in the material money side of things that um, he went out and betrayed Jesus for money. When thing, and we make these leaps of logic to say that Judas was really greedy. It was mm. all about money. And this is why he betrayed and money is the root of all evil. And, and, you know, we, and we go through all of that and we go, well, but you go, no. And that's what we need to realise mm. is that for Judas being Jewish, knowing the Messiah, seeing the Messiah, but then having a notion of what the Messiah was meant to do and, and Jesus and this is the fourth time he says that he has to die, mm. suddenly it just cuts across him and goes, this is wrong. This is not the Messiah. And I think, he, you know, let's push the hand and see Jesus not and come out and fighting or, mm. you know, so. He wanted the Messiah to be the one who would come and overthrow the Romans, mm. restore Israel, restore the amazing kingdom yep. that they used to have under David and Solomon. That was his view of, you know, what the world was going to be and Jesus was cutting through that worldview. Yep. Mm. And he just, this was it. Yep. No, yeah. he can't be the Messiah. No. I have to betray him. Yep. Yeah. And I think it's it's... This is this sort of was really sort of eye-opening just on the, I mean, all of it was, but just never really taking the time to think about Judas. And especially when you get, when we get further and we'll, and we'll hear it this weekend, but, um, or, um, and it, ha- or it happens this weekend with uh, Good Friday and Easter happening. Um, 
I always thought that it was quite odd that um, the end of Judas um, and wondering the motivations behind it because we are quick to sort of say, oh, he's in it for the money. And then when he commits suicide, it's it for me that was always a bit like, oh, okay, that's he was he's so grief stricken that he then went and did that. But it's like, well, but you got what you wanted. So why? But hearing that he was... He was the devout Jewish man. He was part of the twelve. He was this. He was all in, yep. and then and it, it gives that weight of okay. No, actually, no. I get why you were filled with this grief. I get like it now. You know, yes, you may be the betrayer, but like, like you know that that now all makes sense of of why. And for me, I just I just never thought of I never thought of it that way. Yeah. Um, and so that put a lot of context, and I think that you know was really and from. Just something I picked out out was was quite good from yep. that Sunday. Good, and it, yeah, it does help with all of the rest of the, mm. the the parts about Judas and just thinking through who Judas is and 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 the thing I think that I want to take from that is that we need to be careful not to demonise people. Yes, um, our attitude towards people. So if we we, we see their behaviours and action. We shouldn't be demonising the same way we shouldn't be demonising. Judas in this passage, especially through uh, misinterpretation, misunderstanding, all those things just came on. I just went, actually, we need to open this up. Mm-hmm. The, the other thing that we looked at was um, the woman uh, mm-hmm. and her attitude of devotion and gratitude. And, and so often when we're in this, uh, this passage, that's what we focus on. We, we think about the woman, we think about the anointing, we think about these things. Um, there was another group of people that I didn't jump into, but I did allude. So, and they would have been the um, uh, disciples as well. Mm. Uh, and like often with the uh, disciples, and, and this is a teaching about discipleship as well, is that um, he, Jesus is correcting the disciples yet again because they think they've got the idea of what it means that he's the Messiah and he corrects them yet again. Um, and so they, they're... They're almost coming from a from an attitude of, oh, I'm right, and and I want to, you know, and, and I think I know. So it's an attitude of um, knowledge without that um, connection to God's um, purpose, really, and and that can be really dangerous when we think we know what the right things are, but we haven't connected with the heart of God in that moment, and so that that becomes very. Um, Dogmatic, um, which, so so it's this is the rules. Mm. This is how you do it, uh, and and they they were they were doing it almost out of the right reasons. Look, mm. we could have sold that perfume for all of this money and given it to the poor, you know. And that's that's where we get Judas thinking that that's that. And when we read through Mark, we don't hear that that's actually Judas speaking. That doesn't say that. It just says. The, those who are in the room said that. Um, and so when we're actually looking at that, you're going, oh, yeah, that's actually a great attitude to have. You, you've got something that is, um, for one of the better term, you know, um, a luxury. Mm. Um, and instead of having that luxury, you're using it to help those in need. And you think that's a wonderful attitude. But then Jesus turns around and goes, it's, you will always have the poor. And you can always help them. And I love how he phrased that uh, because that, that's, that's really, 
that really comes back. You know, that's a turnaround and we go, oh, you know, whenever we criticise an organisation, whenever we ever criticise somewhere else and go, they should be doing more, it actually, we need to turn that around and say, perhaps I should be doing more. Mm. Yeah. It's interesting because I was listening to a podcast and they were sort of looking similar to, to this and it was more so sort of out of um, items and in possession of items. And so one of the examples that they had was um, a watch and having sort of like a really nice gold watch and, um, and they may have just gotten that for 50 bucks. Um, now the perception is that that's really expensive and they got it but you and the perception is that's a really expensive thing but the flip side of it was that it was actually really cheap to buy now to play both sides of of the um of the argument is on one hand if it was 50 then ethically speaking it might not have actually been ethically um produced um and so you go okay so yes it was cheap but uh, from what sources and everything that but on the flip side of that when we look at maybe an expensive watch that it was actually probably more yes it has this image of wealth and everything but it was actually ethically produced it was able to do all these all these different um things ethically speaking on how it was made so there's this sort of flip-flopping between um, and, and things like, uh, let's say, like a car or a Tesla car. Yes, they are expensive, but they're doing good for the environment. So, so then there's this outlook of you've actually got a lot of money and you've brought a car, but the flip side of it is, well, it's actually doing good for the environment. It's doing good for emissions. And so there's this, this hard thing of, of attitudes of, yes, you understand why, that like that money could have been used, but yep. And so she was doing something beautiful for mm. Jesus. She was doing that that whole point of anointing. So that whole notion of her attitude of devotion and gratitude that come and she. This is not a random person, as I said in the message. This is not a random person that's gone. Oh, I've got you know this really expensive bottle of perfume and an alabaster jar that, that made from nard, essence of nard and. And I, I'm going to go to this Jesus person and just break it open. You know, she's interacted with Jesus. She's she's had um, her life changed because of an interaction with Jesus. It's just not uh, in 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 terms of recording it here in Mark. It's not important to necessarily name it. It's just that we know that because that's what would have been the case for somebody to interact in that manner. Um, but it's it's a part of that anointing that is happening from. Uh, within the um, the anointings of Jesus and Kerry, you just before we started this podcast, you were telling us about the various anointings of Jesus. So I, mm. I, I, I was wondering whether you could share with us all those different anointings. Okay, there are three accounts in the Gospels of well, three times that Jesus was anointed. There's four accounts, but there's three times that he was anointed. The first one happens in in Luke. And that's very early on in his ministry. And that's when he comes to have dinner at a Pharisee's house. And instead of treating him with respect and washing his feet, they, they don't do that. And so the woman notices this and she comes and she washes his feet and, and dries it with her hair. That's the first one very so, early so, on. So partly, so that's like um, really early on in the ministry of Jesus. Early on in his ministry. So. Yeah. But um, and that's part of a religious tradition yes. for entering into a house custom, yeah. and a custom of of 
it's not about being clean. It's a it's a symbol of yes. being clean. It's a symbol of respect, welcome yep. to my home, that kind yep. of thing. And they didn't do that. For and, the, and hosts should actually do yeah. that for them. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So that's the first time. The second time happens in John twelve one to three, and that is six days before the Passover, and that's Mary. And she anoints his feet and his ankles with oil and she wipes it away with her hair. Uh, The third time is in Mark 14, the verse we're looking at today, and also in Matthew 26. And this is two days before the Passover. And this time the woman anoints his head with oil. And so there's a a symbolism here that's not obvious to us because it's not part of our custom. But if we were Jewish, we would understand that in Passover... You bring the lamb into the house. Six days before the Passover, you anoint its feet and its ankles and you check that it's, you know, perfect and worthy of the sacrifice. And then two days before the Passover, you anoint the head. And so, you know, for the for the Jewish people who were here, this is the second time that Jesus has been anointed. And so it's got this comparison to the Passover lamb and the custom for dealing with the Passover. So, so he was anointed six days before. And then two days before. Uh, the, uh, the feet. Yes. And then two days before. On his head. On his head. So yeah. just the same as the lamb. Yes. Fantastic. Yeah. Mm. So this is beautiful <coughs> symbolism that is lost on us, but they would have understood and Judas would have understood. Yep. So it's again confirmation that, you know, he's going to die. The Lamb of God come to save us. The Lamb of God, yeah. The the Lamb that is going to be slaughtered. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Mm. Which I I mean, like I'm hearing that, not necessarily for the first time, but like hearing it with sort of, I don't know, hearing it and it's just all sort of clicking and I'm like, oh, like, you know, that's that's actually pretty cool. <laughs> it is. And I think it's lovely the the continuity of the customs that, that God introduced in the Old Testament that are actually fulfilled with Jesus. Mm. He doesn't just wipe those customs aside. He yep. acknowledges them and Jesus, the same as Jesus was baptised and... And all those things, he he acknowledges the Old Testament and mm. that this is this is a model, this is symbolism of God in action. It's giving that weight, like that weightiness to it, like mm. even just like you know hearing that, and I'm just like, oh, like you know, like that's like really like even even yeah. though it's not overtly said, yeah. but hearing this like the the symbol of them, like oh, like oh yeah, like like you know, I can yep. see how this is leading up to. You know, to the big, to the big finale, finale sort of. Sort so th- of this is happening two days before the. Two days before Passover. Before Passover, before the crucifixion, yeah. and so that is today. If we're putting it mm. into yes, Wednesday. Because <laughs> they did, yeah, it's it, today. It, it was it was a, it was a Wednesday. I did read that and think, oh, we're we're talking about it today. That's that's funny. <laughs> Here we are. So, um, but. These are not the only kinds of anointings that happen. So, we, you know, we were having this conversation beforehand um, and Caleb asked the question, which he's just going to shout out again. So he's just shouting and saying, <laughs> is anointing still relevant today? So that's a good question. Kerry. I don't think anointing for Passover lamb is relevant today because I think Jesus has done it once for all. Yep. <laughs> But certainly Samuel anointed David when he was um, going to become king. Mm. And in the New Testament, uh, Paul calls for the, if you're sick, call the elders around, they will anoint you with oil and you'll be healed. Mm. Um, So there's a tradition of sort of anointing for a ministry, but also anointing for the Spirit of God to move in your life. Mm. 
Were you, were you ever anointed in your your placement or your your ministry, Simon? Uh, well, not in the that physical sense. So um, it's not in the sense of pouring oil or pouring water on that not that kind of anointing, but um, definitely laying on of hands and praying for the Holy Spirit to be in ministry within me. So that's. Um, and so if you're thinking uh, in that kind of vein, then within that space, yes, but physically, no, not not in that kind of space. Not the sort of quote-unquote traditional, what we see in throughout the Bible. Yes, not tra- not in the, the biblical sense of Bibl- anointing for that kind of ministry, no. Yep. Um, yeah, and there's a comparison to being anointed with oil as being filled with the Holy Spirit as mm-hmm. well. Yep. That there's that symbolism that... Uh, the oil represents just the, as it, you know, flows over, over you, you yep. that the Holy Spirit is filling you. Yeah. Mm. Now, the, the oil isn't hot, right? No, it's not no. hot oil. Because, because when I was younger, I always thought the oil was hot. <laughs> and so I always thought it, this was really, like, it was like an interesting slash weird thing because I'm like, why are they pouring hot oil over the, someone like this? Like, <laughs> as, a, as, as, as a kid, I'm like, that's got to burn. Like. <laughs> Purifying. <laughs> Purifying oil. <laughs> you know how you have this perception as a kid and like, you're like, what? But, like, <laughs> but, but it's, it's interesting because that's the whole thing, you know, that, and that's part of the reason why we do deep dive. That's part of the reason why we uh, preach is because we have these notions um, that, these things pop in and going, oh, yeah, I associate oil, I associate oil with cooking, I associate oil with being hot, um, I've been told not to touch it, you know, all those kind of things. And suddenly then in the Bible it's talking about using oil to anoint and you. It's yeah. all associated and you're going, Context. hang on, I yeah, don't so, so was it this. So was it extra virgin, was it <laughs> vegetable, <laughs> avocado even? I would like. <laughs> well, it, it's, it's interesting because, you know, I, I, uh, ethically sourced. Um well, probably not. It may have well you've been slave labour using to produce it. Oh, I'm sure they were squishing their own olives. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> um, it, it's interesting because I've I've done some uh, part of that healing ministry. And it's actually having oil for anointing for healing as well. That's part of that healing ministry as well. So, um, and but it's actually using that and olive oils. So probably the oil more of choice in that. Kind of a base, just to give you that kind mm. of. No, of course. So, so, not 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 just any oil, but generally more olive oil tends to be that. So, give it a, give it a take it for whatever it's for whatever that's worth there. So, um, yeah. So, it, it's it's one of these things. And what I wanted to do was ask ask back this question for us: mm-hmm. Is that do you see yourself, and this is the question I ask on Sunday, do you see yourself bringing a certain attitude towards Jesus? Um, and, and often that's a question that is a deep and personal question for us to understand. Do we have an attitude that opens up the Bible, opens up God's Word in our life, or do we have an attitude that closes it down? Mm. Um, and, and we've only named a couple of attitudes that were that came up in here, 
But um, arrogance is one that I often think that people go, oh, I'm really arrogant. I, I understand things better than everybody else, I think. And, and often within society, we have a, a, an attitude of arrogance towards, um, towards God and towards the saving grace of, of God within, within the world. Um, we go, we can do it ourselves. That's an attitude of arrogance mm. rather than attitude of humility. Which is, which is interesting how there is so much discord between Christians and Christians Right, which you would think there would be more humility and togetherness, but unfortunately, our hubris and um, uh, what was I've now just blanked on the word. Um, <laughs> I think I think the difference of opinions between Christians is Christians really wanting to follow God. Mm. I don't think we purposely go out to make a fight with somebody. No, no. But but we do get caught up on things that. You know, they're not about salvation, um, but they are about how we live out our Christian life. And we become very dogmatic sometimes about this is the way it must be um, instead of respecting our brothers and sisters. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and to follow on that one, and often um, when, when, we, when you talk with people across from other denominations, um, most of the people that you will talk with, there's not an issue because centrally it is about the saving grace of Jesus Christ. But then you'll come across somebody who goes, oh, no, 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 this is the important thing and this is why we don't talk to you guys. And, and it's a really small, obscure often in terms of salvation grace and all of those things. It's not sitting in that space. Um, but it's not seen as small or obscure to the person who really believes who, it. Who thinks that this is this is the reason why we don't do it. So it might it could be over child baptism. It could be over um, water women in ministry. When, women in ministry. Tongues. It could, yep, speaking in tongues. And it can be over um, uh, whether you do full immersion baptism or you do just sprinkling. You know, it's it's over, and most of it's over actions, um, which. Is that outward part? It's not that inward heart notion with God as well. So, but I, but I, I don't want to go run down that. Track no, no, no. Again. I do think it comes from a place where people really want to honour God in the way they live, mm. and I think okay, it comes out in different ways, but it comes from a place where we want to say, yes, we love you, Lord. We're following you, and we want to, you know, follow you with all our heart. Yep. And this is the way we think is right. Which is, which is and cycling right back to our passage, <laughs> um, when, when the disciples are going and, and thinking, you know, people sit, and people at the table, so that would have been some of the disciples, were indignant about that because they, were, they thought they were trying to follow God the best possible way and follow, right. follow yeah. Jesus Christ and be yeah. one of his disciples yeah. and, and how he helped all these poor people, yeah. um, that yeah. we should speak up about this. That's right. And the Old Testament did say don't waste Mm. these precious things. Yep. And this was, you know, uh, the average wage these days, 50000 60000 So it's a lot of money that got poured over Jesus' head. Yep. So you can understand them saying, all mm. that money, we could have done so much more with it. I, I, you know, and an indignant is such an interesting word because, you know, that, that that's like, um, oh, my goodness, how could you do that? You could almost, they could be shocked, they could be, you know, um, you could be crit critical. You could put, put a whole lot of in, uh, different adjectives to, my goodness, how could you possibly do that? Or, you know, all, all those kind of things. And mm. they're wrapping it up with one word that, you know, well, within the translation we're using. Indignant. Uh, indignant yeah. and just going, hang on, that's not the right thing to do. 
that's the kind of attitude they're coming with that. So, mm. And it all comes back to attitude. Your and attitude all. towards the situation. Or, yep. Or at all, like like what was said, we can have a we can have a negative attitude, we can have a positive attitude on on different things. It's you know it's down to what how your how you outwardly are presenting yourself and because yep. even let's say you might disagree with some something, you don't have to have an attitude of we're going to scold someone um, on, on it. We're just like you could be like. Okay. Yes, I don't. Like, yes, I might not agree with your your statement, but having an attitude of humility or grace of actually going, you know, of actually either coming to understand one another in in let's say in a in a place of difference, um, where it's like, no, 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 you're wrong, I'm right, or whatever. It's like, no, 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 I'm, we're we're here to have a discussion. We're here to to learn. Yes, we might come away with. I still believe what I believe, and you still believe what you believe. But having that, but that attitude of I'm not going to come here to destroy your opinion, you know, but mm. it's it's all about how we how we in, in any sort of situation is our attitude is so important. Yep. Any final comments? Mm. Yeah, I think the being indignant it just shows that they're judging Jesus. And so they clearly think that they know better than he does. Mm. You know, um, we know how this should should work out. And yep. you've, you know, done the wrong thing. <laughs> so, yeah, there's, it's not just the woman, but also Jesus for allowing it to happen. Mm. So you've got those two parts to all of that. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so what was the sort of the questions, the, the question, the challenge that we had for, for everyone? The challenge for us is what is your attitude that you are bringing to the Easter story? So, so we're in Easter right now, and, yep. and this is happening two days before the crucifixion. What attitude are we bringing to Easter this year? Mm. Are we bringing one that will open up the story? Or are we bringing one that going, oh, I've heard this all before and I'm shutting it down? Mm. So are we willing to let God speak afresh into our lives, anew into our lives, and, and challenge us to, to come and know the saving grace of Jesus Christ in our lives? Or are we going, no, I can do it all myself? Mm. I think that's an excellent challenge as sort of we've we've wrapped up and um, we get to the end of this. It's just to think about that for the, everyone watching, listening of of, of that that challenge, um, and to, of what of what is our attitude towards towards Easter uh, and and beyond and beyond that. Yeah, fantastic. How about I pray? Go for it. Fantastic. Let's just pray together. Our gracious God, we just ask that you continually open up our hearts, our minds, our whole very being to your Word. May your word speak into our lives. May you challenge us and may our attitude allow that challenge to mould us and shape us to become more like you, Jesus, more like you each and every day. Oh, Lord, we just pray this in your holy name. Amen. 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 Thank you, everyone, for watching. Thank you, guys, for coming and uh, talking and everything. Like what, uh, like always what we say is um, if you've got any questions about anything that's come up, anything that we've talked about, please feel free to send them in, contact us at some form, you know, even the challenge that's been left to us of our attitude. Um, if that's, you know, got any questions around that, please, you know, ask because we'd love to answer them. Um, yeah. Thanks for watching. Thanks. Bye.